The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Bleaker, and Pocket Cast. However you listen, wherever and whenever you listen, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at all Andy Alfred. It is at All Andy Alfred and Facebook.com slash All Andy Alfred. The schedule has been released. We're going to go over it tonight as Major League Baseball returns to the Diamond opening day, the 24th of July. We've got some time to talk about this season. Looking forward to it. The new CBA in the NHL has been ratified and has been certified. Players have a contract for four years, and we have a date to the start of this year's Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll talk about that as well as what's happening in Jacket Country. Patrick Mahomey gets the deal done, a huge deal. We'll talk about that as well. Joey Chestnut, 75 hot dogs. A world record. The Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit. And the big race in the Brickyard. All lead up on this 4th of July holiday. We'll recap it for you. But we begin tonight with a somber note. As we honor and pay our respects to one of the fallen here in the city of Toledo. Get ready. It's time. For All Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And a shot at a goal. 24 runs in the span. I'm going to get shut out. Dumbino. Hit to a home run. Go! Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo-choo, it's time for All Andy Alfred. And good evening to you, and welcome into another edition of All Andy Alford tonight, right here on your exclusive home for me, the Anchor Network, and that is with the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for tuning into the podcast this evening. As you can follow our show, as always, on Twitter, it is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred, as well as on Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. So welcome into the program. A lot to get into tonight, of course. We'll go over the MLB schedule that was released yesterday. Also, we'll talk about the NHL playoffs, as well as the weekend that was this holiday weekend. I hope you had a great holiday weekend. Got a chance to get out and enjoy a little bit of this nice warm weather that we've had, and uh, enjoy a burger or a hot dog like Joey Chestnut did. We'll talk about that as well. Um, But first and foremost, before we begin tonight, of course, we are going to start with a somber note here on the podcast. Um, As you are aware, you know yours truly supports both the police and the fire departments here in the city of Toledo, Ohio. Um, These guys do a lot of things. They go into burning buildings. They save people's lives. And unfortunately, one of the Blue Bloods is gone from us. 
and gone at a young, young age. I'm 28 years old. You know, this one really hurt, and it happened on fourth on the 4th of July, and um, Anthony Dia, dead at the age of 28 years old, he was responding to a call of a... Uh, of a gentleman in um, a drunk gentleman at a Home Depot on Alexis Road in Toledo, Ohio. He went to respond to the call. The gentleman was staggering, and um, he went to re- try to talk to the gentleman. And the gentleman opened fire and shot him into the chest area. He was wearing his bulletproof vest, but unfortunately, the shot where he, he took was a unprotected area in the in the Kevlar and um, he took the shot to the chest uh, was rushed to Toledo Hospital where unfortunately he passed on from his injuries uh, the man who shot him was was then ran into a back wooded area the police were looking for him they heard a shot he com- he committed suicide in the back of the Home Depot in a wooded area, shooting himself in the head. He was The gentleman who shot the officer was 57 years old. The Toledo police officer, 28. Anthony um, was a good man. He was a strong individual, uh, good work ethic, and one of the nicest people you have ever, that you have ever met, as a lot of people are talking about. Um, the gentleman... You know, had nothing bad to say, is what Chief Crawl said today in the memorial service. Had nothing bad to say, and he was the prototypical good cop in this world. And he is taken away from us at the age of 28. He leaves his wife and two kids, and it's it's just hard. I mean, when I found out about this uh, Saturday morning, I woke up and I was just absolutely shocked absolutely shocked by this it was sad to hear that you know one of our one of the people that protects and serves this cunt this city is shot and gunned down and um you know it's hard it's hard you know we haven't had a shooting since keith dressel and um yeah it's it's hard you know, and we, 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 these people are, are real heroes. And to those that want to defund them and they want to take them down, you know, we want reform. Yes. Even the cops want reform. They want old practices changed. And that's what we want. We want old practices changed. We want the bad with the good now. But we don't need to defund. I will say that. We do not need to defund. But here's the thing. This is going to be a rallying cry for this city. This man and this family is is a protocentral of why the police are good. There's good policemen out there. There's bad ones, of course. There will be bad ones. There always will be bad ones. But this is a guy who did and cared about his community and cared about and cared about not just not just the city, but the world as, as a whole. And people like that are what I call heroes in this country. People that will stand up and will fight and will be 
honored to be representative of the city. It's, it's just too bad this kid is gone at this young age. And um, it was just, it, it, it's just hard. It's absolutely hard. And um, what got me the most was his final recording uh, to dispatch. He told, he told dispatch, tell my family that I love them. And then the dispatch asked, come, you know, the number come again. And he says, tell my family that I love them. Anthony Dia, Toledo police officer, dead at the age of 28. We'll be back to continue this edition of All Andy Alford right after this. Hi folks, this is Andy Alford, the host of All Andy Alford. And I want to talk to you today about my good friends down at the Libby Factory Outlet Store. Libby Glass, a worldwide glass maker, and it's based right out of Toledo, Ohio. And their store is in the warehouse district in downtown Toledo. And this is it, folks. The big sale. Friends and family starts July 9th. Yes, July 9th, 30% off your entire transaction. Yes, 30% off your entire transaction starting this Thursday, the 9th of July, all the way to the 16th of July. So visit my friends down at the Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store at 205 South Erie Street in the Warehouse District, right across from the Toledo Farmer's Market. Follow them on Facebook, which is Libby Glass Factory Outlet as well. And remember, Libby Factory Outlet, setting your table right for more than 100 years. And welcome back into another edition of All Andy Alford right here on the Anchor Network. You're listening to me on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. However you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in to the podcast. And of course... The big news, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, the big news. Baseball is coming back. Yes, we talked about it last week. Gave you a bit of a preview of the Reds' schedule. What we got an early estimation. Well, the schedule for all the teams have been released. Yes, all teams have been releasing of their schedules. We're going to go over a few of them tonight, of course. Right here on All Andy Alford, we're going to go with some of the local teams. We're going to talk about the Indians. 
We're going to talk about the Tigers. We're going to talk about the Reds. And we're going to talk a little bit of a few other teams as well. So we're going to start first and foremost with the Cleveland Indians. And, of course, before we dive into the schedule, there is talks of changing the Indians team name. Now, first before we begin, I will say this. You know, the Washington Redskins team, I have been a, a, po- a opponent of changing that name. I have always been a proponent of changing that name because that's an offensive name, in my opinion. So every time that I would be doing the NFL highlights or the NFL recaps, I name the Washington the Washington Football Club. I don't name it the Washington Redskins. I don't like the Redskins name. It should be changed. Definitely should be changed. Having said that, the Cleveland Indians name... It is somewhat of offensive in some aspects, but you do have to give credit to to paying the respects of the Indian's name itself because it's representing all of the Indian culture. Not just naming it after the Chippewas or the, 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 the Sioux Indians or anything like that. It's Indians as a branch. Now, the logo with Chief Wahoo, yes, that is racist. We can we can all agree to that. A lot of us agree to that because it looks offensive because of the smile and everything like that. I like that the Indians have changed the name of that, changed the logo of that to just saying Indians or the block C. I like that. Or the the word Indians written out. Like that logo. I've always liked that logo. To change the name of the team though, I think it's 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 kind of stepping over the boundary line in my opinion then that means you're going to have to change a lot of other teams' names, like the Chicago Blackhawks or the the Sioux Indians up in North Dakota, or you're going to change the Atlanta Braves or the Florida Seminoles. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, I know we're in this culture now of, you know, everything being politically correct in some aspects. Indians is not a, you know, a racist name. It's a grouping of Native American culture. In my opinion. So I think the Indians name should stay the same in my opinion. Now if, if they do change the name. If they want to change the name. I would change the name to two names. Go back to the old Cleveland Spiders situation. That would be a good name. Or the Cleveland Renegades. I think the Renegade, Renegade would be a good name for it too. But the Spiders is more what I would think. And it would also embrace the Negro League culture. That baseball, that baseball was in Cleveland as well. So the Spiders or the Renegades. But I think in all reality, I think that the Indians' name should stay the same, no matter what the situation is. But, divulging from politicalness, I don't like talking about political stuff, you know that, to now the sports aspect of things. We get baseball back. I'm just excited for this. So, here is the schedule for the Cleveland Indians going forward starting this season. Opening day for them will be the 24th of July, 7-10 start time against the Kansas City Royals. They'll open up with three games against the Royals, three games against the White Sox before hitting the road for four games in Minnesota at Target Field. Then they'll head to Cincinnati to begin the Ohio Cup. The 3rd and 4th of August at Cincinnati, they'll come back to Progressive Field to play the Reds on the 5th and 6th. 
They'll head then back to Chicago for two straight game, three straight games against the White Sox. A day off on the 10th, they'll come back to Progressive Field for two quick games against the Chicago Cubs. Now, back to the Reds situation. The They play the Reds four straight, basically two and two. Trevor Bowers return against the Indians. Will that be at Progressive Field or will that be at Great America? It is up to the rotation and how the rotation sees it. But the big one to me is the 11th and 12th of August. It is the return of Jason Kipnis to Progressive Field. It looks like Kipnis is going to make the squad for the Cubs. If he makes this if he makes this squad in four weeks from when opening day is, excuse me, in three weeks where opening day is, you're going to have him coming into progressive field. That is worth watching. Totally worth watching. They'll be off on the 13th after the two-game series against the Cubs. They'll head to Detroit to battle the Tigers in a three-game series. Then they'll head to Pittsburgh for three straight against the Pirates before returning back home to play the Tigers for three straight at home against the Twins. Then they will head to St. Louis to battle the Cardinals for a three-game series the 28th, 29th, and 30th of August. Then the first, second, and third of first, second, and the 31st, first and second of September, the 31st of August. They're in Kansas City to battle the Royals for a Labor Day weekend. They will welcome in the Brewers, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Then a four-game series against the Royals, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth before their final road trip of the season. Season three games in Minnesota. The final two games against the Cubs at Wrigley. And then four straight against the Tigers to end the Rhodes portion of their schedule. They'll finish up four against the White Sox and three against the Pirates. So that is the schedule for the Indians, for the Detroit Tigers. The Tigers, now going into this, the Tigers' schedule looks, I think, okay. Okay. Now, there will be two exhibition games for the Tigers. The 21st and 22nd of July. They will play the Reds for four, for two games there. At, at Great America. Okay? It's a spring training, quote-unquote, game. Then they'll open up on the road against the Reds. The 24th, 25th, and 26th. Then they'll welcome in the Kansas City Royals for four straight 27th, 28th, 29th, and 30th. The 27th is opening night slash opening day for the Tigers. Then they'll welcome the Reds in the 31st, the 1st, and 2nd of August before they welcome in the St. Louis Cardinals for two straight at Comerica Park, the 3rd and 4th of August, before they head to St. Louis, the 5th and the 6th. Then they'll travel across the way to Pittsburgh for three straight games against the Pirates. They'll come back home the 10th, 11th, and 12th of August to battle the White Sox. A day off on the 13th. The 14th sees the Indians in town for three straight before hitting the road to battle the White Sox for four straight games at Guarantee Rate Field before heading to Progressive Field to take on the Indians for a three-game series the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd of August. Then, this is an interesting stretch. They'll have... Three games, the 24th, the 25th, and the 26th of August against the Cubs. Four straight, then after 
against the Minnesota Twins, the 27th, 28th, 29th, and 30th for those games. The 31st sees them battling the Royals in Kansas City, which is weird because then the 1st and 2nd, they head to Milwaukee for a two-game series against the Brewers. A day off on the 3rd, then they'll play the Twins for four straight for Labor Day weekend, the 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th, before returning home the 7th and the 8th to battle the Brewers. They'll have one game against the Indians, which is a weird time at 6-10, the 10th of September, then 11th, 12th, and 13th there in the south side to battle the White Sox. The final homestand sees the Indians playing the Tigers four straight, the 17th, 18th, and 19th, and 20th of September, but before then they'll play the Royals for two straight, the 15th and 16th. The 21st sees the Indian them going to play the Indians again on the 21st before going to Minnesota for two games, the 22nd and 23rd, and they finish the season the 24th, 25th, and 26th, and 27th in Kansas City. So that is the Tigers' schedule. It's a weird, wonky kind of a schedule if you look at it with Indian games like wedged in here and there, and you have Twins and Kansas City games wedged into there. So it's going to be... It's going to be interesting. It'll be very, very interesting. Now let's talk about the Reds. The Reds down in the Queen City, of course, like I mentioned before. We talked about their schedule, their previous schedule, of course. It was made official. What, what we reported right here on All Andy Alford last week, the schedule is official. They'll open up with the Tigers on the 24th, 25th, and 26th before they have the Cubs at home for four straight, the 27th through the 30th before they head to Comerica Park. The 31st of August, 1st and 2nd, 31st of July, 1st and 2nd of August. They'll have the Indians for the 3rd and the 4th at Great America before they head to Progressive Field for the 5th and 6th for the finale of the Ohio Cup. They'll have three against the Brewers, one game in Detroit to battle the Tigers on the 10th, the 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th. See, the 11th through the 16th is another homestand, two against the Royals and four against the Pirates before they hit the road to battle the White Sox on the south side on the 17th, the 18th, 19th. They're in Kansas City to play the Royals, the 20th, the 21st, the 22nd, and the 23rd. They're in St. Louis to battle the Cardinals before they, then after that, they will hit to Milwaukee to battle the Brewers for four straight before returning back home to play the Cubs the 28th, 29th, and 30th of August. The 31st of August sees them play the, the Cardinals September 1st and 2nd against the Cardinals, and then they will hit the road for Labor Day weekend as they will play three straight against the Pirates. Labor Day, they will be in Minnesota to play the Twins, three straight against the Cubs on the north side, and then they'll head down to St. Louis to battle the Cardinals at 8-15 on the 11th, 12th, and 13th. Then the final stands, it looks like this. Three games against the Pirates, the 14th, 15th, and 16th of August. A game in Detroit, the 17th. The 18th, 19th, and 20th, they're at home to play the White Sox. The 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, the final homestand. It will be against the Brewers. 6.40 start times for that one. And then they will play in Kansas City on the 24th, and they'll finish the season in Minnesota the 25th, 26th, and 27th of the month of September. And that is the schedule for the Saint, for the uh, Cincinnati Reds. So that's interesting. It will be interesting to see how 
they're going to perform. Of course, uh, make mention of this. We'll talk a little briefly about the the AL East and um, the schedule for the. Uh, we'll talk about the Yankees right now, really quickly, while I have the Yankees schedule pulled up right here. Remember, the East is playing the East, the Central is playing the Central, and the West is playing the West. So the Yankee schedule is this. They will open up three-game series against the Phillies. And then they will play the Nationals. They'll open up with the Phillies at spring training games. And then the 23rd of July, they'll open up with the Nationals. And this is a weird, wonky schedule. I think this is a weird, wonky schedule. I think maybe maybe MLB MLB.com has got this all weird and wonky. Just looking at it right now on their online website here. I'm looking here on this page. I'm, I'm talking to. Uh, Produce the producer right now, and I'm asking him if he's seeing the same thing I'm seeing here. And yeah, he's seeing the same thing I'm seeing. I think the update they have an update problem with their with the app on here, but the schedule is released for the Yankees. You can go onto the Yankee website as well. The Bombers homestand. Will be July 29th through the 2nd of August. They'll play the Phillies and the Red Sox. August 11th through the 20th, the Braves, Red Sox, and Rays. August 28th through September 2nd, sees them playing the Mets and the Rays. The 10th of September through the 17th, they're playing Baltimore and Toronto. And September 25th through the 27th, they're playing the Marlins. Rivalry games against the Red Sox will be July 31st through August 2nd at Yankee Stadium. August 14th and the 17th against Yankee Stadium, and then September 18th through the 20th at Fenway Park. The Subway Series against the Mets, like I mentioned before, is going to be played August 21st through the 23rd at City Field, and then again on August 28th through the through the 30th at Yankee Stadium. So it'll be interesting. They open up in Washington, and if you look at the Yankee schedule for them going forward here. You know, they've. it's just going to be interesting. Three against the Philly Nationals. Two against the Phillies. Two at home against the Phillies. Three against the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, it. the vision this year for the East is going to be between... It's going to be... Between the Rays and the Yankees, I think, in my opinion. I really do. And it's going to be a test. It really will be a test. Exhibition games, they have announced the exhibition games. Yankees and Mets will have two exhibition games. And uh, somebody said they should dust off the old uh, Mayor's Trophy. They'll play July 18th. And then the next night, the 19th, they'll play at Yankee Stadium. The 18th, they'll be playing at City Field. Um, so it'll be interesting. Be interesting. Uh, we're going to have the NMLB preview for you guys next week on a, on All Andy Alford. Of course, 
we're going to continue doing the sh- these shows to get you set up for opening day of baseball, of course, and um, looking forward to it. The good thing is that um, uh, Tanaka, the other night, the other day during a batting practice, Giancarlo Stanton was taking was taking pitches from Masahiro Tanaka. One of the pitches went off of Tanaka's head. He went to New York Presbyterian Hospital with for with a slight concussion. He is doing fine now. That's good to see on that aspect. Um, news around MLB really quickly for you today, of course. And like I mentioned, the opening night games are going to be as follows. July 23rd, 7 o'clock first pitch. Yankees at Nationals. The nightcap will see the Dodgers at home against the Giants. So, you know, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Absolutely will be interesting. So, we'll see what happens. Um, They did announce the Field of Dreams for Major League Baseball will continue on. It will be the White Sox battling the Cardinals in Iowa. So, it will be... It will be interesting to see how how it will be done. The White Sox will be the home team surrendering a home date, a guarantee rate fuel for this unique opportunity. And um, Fox will carry this game nationally at 7 o'clock. But, um... Yeah, we, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be kind of a cool cool thing to see with them going to where Field of Dreams is located at. But we'll dive more into baseball next week on All Andy Alfred as we get you set for opening day for both the Tigers, Indians, and Reds as your home for all the thing, all the coverages right here on the Anchor Network, and that is with All Andy Alfred and on the platforms of iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast. However you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's dive into another sports topic that dropped yesterday, the NHL. The players have a date. So the NHL, the NHLPA have agreed to extend the CBA. Uh, they have agreed in principle to a four-year extension of the collective bargaining agreement that will see it go through the 2025-2026 season. The league and the union also announced on Monday that uh, they will resume play on August the 1st. Yes, as part of the protocols for Phase 3 and Phase 4 of the NHL's return to play plan. The opening of training camps and teams' local markets which is the start of Phase 3, is scheduled to begin July 13th. The teams then will travel to the two hub cities um, on the 26th of July, where they will begin Phase 4, the resuming of playing with the NHL Stanley Cup qualifiers starting August 1st. Um, in the statement, they said that the hub cities have not been announced. We already know it's going to be Edmonton and Toronto. Um the CBA extension and agreement on the protocols of three and four are subject to ratification by the NHL Board of Governors and the PA membership, but it looks like they're going to do it 
The PA is going to ex is expected to conduct a vote among players over the next three to five days. I have a feeling that they're going to get that through very, very easily. The current CBA ratified in 2013 will set to expire at September 15th, 2022 with the extension. It will now expire in September 15th, 2026. The extension agreement will enable planning for international calendars, including the NHL All-Star Game, Winter Classic, and Seagame Series, and there is talk of the NHL going back to the Olympics. Negotiations continue after the NHL paused the season on March 12th due to the concerning surrounding the coronavirus and has been a part of the process of determining the NHL's return to play plan, which was announced May 26th, which will include 24 teams competing for the Stanley Cup. So... It's going to be interesting. And if you don't remember, for Phase 3, players will be permitted to participate in full team activities on and off the ice. In addition, coaches, general managers, hockey operation personnel will be allowed to have direct interaction with the players and conduct typical training camp activities which, while following preventative measures, including an enhanced testing for COVID-19 and delicate hygiene practices designed to prevent the spread of the virus. And then once we get into Phase 4, Phase 4 is the 24 teams will travel to the two hub cities of Edmonton and Toronto, one of the 12 Eastern Conference teams and one of the other West 12 Western Conference teams. The teams will be housed in Phase 4 secure zones, which is including hotels, restaurants, practice facilities, and arenas where exhibition, qualifier, and postseason games will be played at. Each person inside the secure zone, including players, teams, coaches, and NHL personnel, arena, and practice facility staff, as well as vendors and service providers, will be tested daily for the COVID-19 and have symptom screenings and temperature checks. Um, like I said, we, we've gone through the, number f the qualifiers for the playoffs as well, but it's good to see. I mean, I like to see the Olympic the guys go back to the Olympics, but I also liked what it was la a couple of years ago with the amateurs being in there and, you know, and new names and new faces being played. But, you know, in the end, it, it, it's up to the players that they want to do this. And I think that they will want to do this. And I think that they're going to get this CBA passed through. And it's going to be... It's going to be interesting. It's going to be very, very interesting. Um, like I mentioned before, last week, uh, the Jackets are back in training camp. They are seeing an influx of players during the Phase 2 workout. 15 players joined on-ice and off-ice activities in Columbus this week. Um, the 15 players included Emil Benstrom, Nathan Gerby, Stefan Mateau, Eric Robinson, Cole Sherwood, Devin Shore, Kevin Stradlin, Alexander Texier, and forward Cam Atkinson. Atkinson's back. On the defensive side, Gabriel Carlson, Vlasov Gavrikov, Dean Kukin, and Marcus Nunavara all playing as well as well as goaltender Jonas Corpozalo, as well as Vinny Ventalin, the other backup goaltender. So we now have not seen Elvis yet, but... Uh, I did get a report today that Nick Felino is in Columbus now. Uh, he will be joining the workout teams 
either tomorrow or Thursday. And so that's a good sign as well. But, uh, but of course, um, some of the other players that have were in the practicing and since they have to do it in waves. That's really what it is. They have to do it in waves. Some of the other players that have been in the waving format, of course, Bjorkstrand, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Leedon Foodie, Riley Nash, Gus Nyquist, as well as Seth Jones, Scott Harrington, Andrew Peak, as well as Tunders, Medias Kavlagis, and Elvis Merlinkus all were particip- have been participating in the practices. So you basically almost had the whole team ready to go. Assistant coach Brad Larson, Kenny McCudden, and Manny Legacy has joined as well as the team is being able to skate in groups of 12 for the last few weeks. Uh, Scott Harrington said to a, um, a person from BlueJackets.com, he says, it's nice to see your friends again and see a couple of the staff members every day. We spend a lot of time with each other during the, during the year, and you develop some pretty close friendships. It's nice to have a bit of normalcy when you're spending a couple hours at the rink every day for a brief period of time. Everything feels pretty much back to normal. So that is a good sign when it comes to the Jackets getting back up and running a little bit. And uh, it's just going to be interesting. It really, it, it really is going to be interesting. Um, the, 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 the thing is, when they go to the bubble, um, what's going to happen? You know, we're seeing it now. A lot of teams are going. A lot of sports leagues are going to bubble situations. We have the NBA, which is now starting to go into their bubble situation with their playoff format. Uh, MLS soccer is already in it, and we found out yesterday that FC Dallas. Uh, has been eliminated because 10, the MLS tested all their players, 10 of 11 of the positive tests from COVID-19 come from FC Dallas. So that means gone. So FC Dallas decided to eliminate themselves from contention of the MLS Cup. So kind of figured that was going to happen. Um, so now you have 15 teams battling it out for the cup instead of the 16 and you have and you have it almost like gonna be like a um uh, a fifa tournament basically you're gonna have games being played a little bit here between 9 a.m 2 30 and 7 o'clock i like that i really like that it gives everything a flow and they're gonna be the first professional sports league to go back into action because there's no baseball yet. There is no basketball. There's no hockey. There's no football. Golf is back, of course, and we'll get to that here in just a second. But a first professional sports league to come back officially, being MLS, that says a lot. Absolutely says a lot. And hopefully, it's positive. I mean, NASCAR's there. PGA's back. LPGA coming back. And we'll get to that here in a minute, too, with regarding the Marathon Classics. So I have something to say about that. MLS coming back, that's a good sign. Very, very good sign. Now we have baseball coming back at the end of the month, the NHL coming back the 1st of August, and then you have the NBA playoffs at that same time. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Now if we can all just wear our damn mask and we can get and we can stay a little healthy, we can get to college football soon enough. 
So, but a good step for the NHL is that they ratified their PA and they're going to start playing on August 1st. And the Jackets look good. As you're listening to All Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's talk about the other sports, including Patrick Mahomes. The big news, of course, coming out yesterday is that Patrick Mahomes is going to be a Kansas City Chief now, basically for the rest of his career. Locking him up, the Chiefs locked him up a huge 10-year extension to his contract. Huge. It is worth, in the estimations, over the 10-year period, $450 million. And it could be up to $503 million with the with the bonuses and everything like that. Unbelievable. And of that money, $140 million is guaranteed to him as a part of the no trade clause. Uh, Mahomes uh, is uh, he's one of those good players. One of those players that's been around. The Chiefs picked him up a long time ago. A while ago. The Chiefs picked up his option in 2021 in April, putting him under contract for the next two seasons. His two-year $27.6 million contract left him left on his deal $2.8 million this year and $24.8 million in 2021. And this 10-year extension puts him under contract with the Chiefs for the next 12 seasons. He will receive $83 million plus in signing bonuses for the 2021 to 2023 season. And that breaks down to $21.7 million in 21, $27.4 in 22, and $34 million plus in 23. And then the Chiefs have added incentives over the next 10 years. Um, in you know, the last two years, seasons, he's been top of the league in pass past touchdowns, in past yards, in wins, in total QBR, in yards attempted. He's been absolutely fantastic. He now trumps Mike Trout. He is now the richest valuable contract in American professional sports. Mike Trout was the person before him. He had a 12-year, $426.5 million contract with the Angels in March of 2019 in Trout's contract is fully guaranteed. However, so that's all money for Trouty. So it's just good to see Mahomes finally get paid. He was the MVP for Kansas City in their 30, 31-20 victory over San Francisco back on Super in the Super Bowl, which I was at. It's fantastic. And um yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I, I, I congratulate Patrick Mahomes in getting that signing done, of course. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with, you know, 
the rest of the the rest of the NBA, the not the NBA, but the NFL going forward. Of course, um, news in the NFL really quickly to dive right in. I know a lot of people don't really care that much because we're in the off season. Besides the big Mahomes thing, of course, uh, the PA. Um, are, excuse me, the Browns are reworking on their defense, defensive end contract in one Mr. Oliver Vernon. Vernon, who is due $15.25 million, not guaranteed in 2020, agreed to restructure a deal that will pay him $11 million. So all that is going to be interesting going forward. Of course, we found out also that week one and two of the preseason is canceled. This season for the NFL, so there'll be only two preseason games going forward. As you are listening to All NBL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And we are now heading into the recap of this past weekend in sports. Of course, it was the big 4th of July weekend, by the way. Happy birthday, America! So that that's for all the the true supporters of this podcast. To you guys, happy birthday, America! To you guys, as this past weekend up in Detroit, it, the Detroit Golf Club was the Rocket Mortgage Classic. As the PGA comes back to Detroit for its second year, and it was a dandy of a tournament. Good action all the way around. Uh, my prediction of a high scoring. Um, tournament was kind of right. I said the best was going to be 18 under. The best actually for the week was 23 under par, as it was Bryson Chambeau getting the win for the Rocket Mortgage Classic as he finishes 23 under par in his four rounds. In round his four rounds, he shot a 66, six, two pairs of 67s in rounds two and three, and he shot a 65 in round four. Matthew Wolf shot 20 under par, finishing in second. He shot 69, a pair of 64s in rounds two and three, and a 71 in round four. Kevin Kisner shot an 18 under par, tied for third. She's not tied for third, but finishes in third place at 18 under. He shot a 65, 69, 70, and a 66. A three-way, a four-way tie for fourth place sees Danny Wilton, Adam Hanwin, Tyrell, uh, Tyrell. Houghton and Ryan Admore all shooting 16 under par in the tournament as well. Uh, Webb Simpson 15 under par, 68, 64, 71, and 70 in his four rounds. It was Ricky Fowler finishing 14 under par, 67, 71, 69, and 67. You also had, of course, Tom Lewis 14 under par, 68, 71, 66, and 69. You had Hideki Matsuyama, 13 under par, 71, 68, 65, and 71. Um, if you're looking for some of the big names, of course, that made, that made the tournament, of course, Tony Finau, 9 under par. He shot 69, 70, 67, and 64, tied for 53rd. You had here Michael Thompson, 6 under par, 69, 68, 73, and 72. And I mentioned uh, Ricky Fowler, of course. Uh, 
Seamus Power, 14 under par, 67, 66, 69, and he shot a 72 in his fourth round. So Bryson Shambo getting the win and uh, finishing 23 under par. He earns $1,350,000 $1, in earnings. He also gets 500 FedEx points in the tournament. So congratulations to him. They now head down down I-75, and they have a tournament scheduled this upcoming week, which is the Workday Charity Open, which is at Murrayfield uh, Village Golf Course in Dublin. That's also where the home of the Memorial is located at. And um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they will play, and especially now finding out that the Memorial will now not have any fans allowed on the course premises here in Ohio. Um, Franklin County, where this is going to be taking place, is under what Mike DeWine calls the Level 3 uh, rating system, technically close to Level 4, um, and they have issued a, a mask warning for them because um, their cases are rising in that, in that county. Um, so they have decided to pull the plug on fans coming into the memorial for the tournament in, in two weeks. And it now begs the question of will they pull the plug for the Marathon Classic? What we are being told by Judge Silverman and by a bunch of other LPGA people is that this tournament will still have fans in it for right now. Where they're still allowing fans for right now for the tournament to come in. And you could still get tickets by going to marathonclassic.com or visiting your local Kroger's location. Of course, Kroger, you can get your tickets for a two for one weekly grounds ticket. We'll get you in for the full tournament Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of the Marathon Classic. Of course, the week the week before, they will be at Inverness Club for the million dollar shootout as all all LPGA golfers will be in attendance at Inverness Club, which is the site for next year's 2021 Solheim Cup. Unfortunately, this year in the men's side of things, the Ryder Cup will not take place. They will have that next year in 2021. So there's your golf recap, of course. And, of course, this past weekend in Indianapolis, Indiana, was the Brickyard 400 that took place. A great race. On hand, and it was Kevin Harvick getting the big win. He finishes in first, Matt Kenseth in second, Eric Almarola finishing in third, Brad Kaslowski in fourth, Cole Custer finishes in fifth spot, Kyle Bush finishes in sixth, Michael McDowell finishes in seventh, Tyler Reddick file finishes in eighth, Bubba Wallace finishes in ninth, and Joey Logano finishes in tenth, Chase Elliott eleventh, uh, Kurt Busch finishes in thirteenth, it was John Hunter Nemechek finishing in fifteenth, Clint Boyer sixteenth. My guy, your guy, everybody's guy, Denny Hamlin finishes in 28th spot. Alex Bowman finishes in 30th. Chris Buescher finishes in 31st. Uh, Ryan Newman finishes 34th. Uh, Justin Allgaier was was a replacement racer as Jimmy Johnson found out he has tested positive for COVID-19. So Justin Allgaier filled in his spot. And, of course, uh, unfortunately, he finishes in 37th with a hard crash. And the sad thing was... The crash that took place um, early on in the race, 
took place in pit row, and uh, one of the driver's uh, crew members was hit hard. Uh, it was Dave, it was Dave Blaney's uh, crew member got injured during this race. Um, uh, Zachary Price was treated and released at Methodist Hospital in Indianapolis and is returned home with the rest of the Penske traveling party. They released on Sun on uh, Monday a statement on Monday. He was injured early in the Brickyard 400 during a six-car pileup near the entrance of pit row. Price was pinned between Blaney's number 12 Ford and another car, which brought out the red flag. Track workers put Price on a stretcher. He appeared to be smiling before placing being placed into an ambulance. Five of the drivers involved were checked and released from the infield medical care center while Blaney continued the race. So, and the guy did a pretty good job. I got to admit that he um, he uh, he dragged himself like over and uh he did pretty well did pretty well uh this week they're at kentucky for the quick um for the um quaker state and lube 400 it's a 2:30 start time on fox sports one so that'll be interesting um also other sports news to pass along to you joey chestnut yes we're gonna talk some competitive eating here folks really really quickly joey chestnut is now the world record hit holder for the amount of hot dogs eaten in the 10-minute time frame. He had he downed 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, winning his winning another gold mustard belt. Uh, fantastic. It's one of those traditions that you, you can't afford to miss on the 4th of July. Watching the hot dog eating competition is, you know, is fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. It's it's one of those things that, you know, you kind of stop what you do to watch it. And I, I, I honestly try to find it and watch it. I like uh, Batman Booker. Of course, I like Eater X. He wasn't there. Matt Stoney wasn't there, of course. And the legend himself, Takiro Kobayashi, one of the best in in hot dog eating competitions. You know, you can't, you can't talk Nathan's without Kobayashi. You really couldn't. As you are listening to All Andy L for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning into the podcast. And of course, we have hit the end of the podcast tonight, and it's time for Andy Rants where we need to have a discussion twofold about what we've talked about tonight. So it's now time for Andy Rants tonight, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I uh, I provided the information for you guys tonight. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts every Tuesday and Friday, but of course, we'll be doing Friday shows later on. But we're going to continue doing the shows once a week. Once we get to the start of baseball season, which will be coming up at the end of the month, we'll be doing shows every Tuesday and Friday, of course, right here on the Anchor Network. So we're still doing one show a week. So uh, enjoy the podcast while we have it. So it's time for Andy Rants tonight. And uh, first and foremost, I am just glad that baseball is officially coming back. It's nice to have the Boys of Summer coming back in at the right time. Um, unfortunately, you have MLS that's going to be the first major sporting uh, group to come back officially but of the big four, 
you have Major League Baseball becoming the first to come back to start their season. Where you have the NHL and the NBA finishing their season. And um, my biggest beef with the MLB is that is this. The majority of the games that are going to be played are going to be night games. I would love to see this game be played, continuing being played during the daytime hours. You're not going to have fans in the stands, so why not play these games at 12.30 or at 2 o'clock or at 4 instead of games being played at 6.10, I just don't see why they can't just play these, some of these games during the day. Have the games being at Wrigley Field back in the daytime. Have some of the games being played, you know, at Dodger Stadium during the day. You know, you know, it's that time of the year where it's going to be warm. So, I mean, I know I understand the player's safety is everything like that. But I, I preferably like to have baseball be played during the daytime. That's the best time to play baseball. And you can see the ball better. You can, you know, you don't get caught up in the lights. And... You know, travel-wise, I mean, yes, you're going to be playing in cities for three games, but if you figure it, if you play a game at noon, you're done by four, you're getting on the bus or whatever you're going to get to, to get either on the plane or getting onto the bus to drive to the next city, you know, you get back at eight or nine o'clock at night, you get a good night's sleep somewhere, and then you start playing baseball the next day, I don't know, at three o'clock instead of, you know, playing consecutive noon games. I understand that they want TV money. That's what the big thing is. It's all about TV and all about the ratings. But in God's, for God forbid, that they don't do anything for the TV and focus in on the fans. Fans want day games. We want day games. We want baseball to be played during the day. It's one of those things that, you know, I can set up a schedule and say, all right, the Tigers are playing the Reds at 1230. At 4:10. I can catch the Indians playing some playing somebody at 4:10, and then I can catch a nightcap. I can do a full game of baseball, watch a full day of baseball, very very easily. But no, now I have to watch you know pick a game that I want to watch. Do I want to watch the Indians at 7:10, or do I want to watch the Tigers play the Reds at 6:10? Do I want to watch the Yankees play the 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 Red Sox at 8 o'clock? And that right there. It's going to be terrible because those games are going to be four-hour games, four or five-hour games. Anytime that the Yankees and the Red Sox play each other, and it's the it's the same no matter if it's COVID or not COVID. It's at least a four-and-a-half-hour baseball game. That is ludicrous. A typical baseball game takes about three hours, three, three-and-a-half hours. For those two teams, it takes about four-and-a-half to five hours to play one baseball game. Cut all the malarkey, cut all the bull crap, play baseball. And play baseball during the daylight hours. Plain and simple. That's part one. Part two is this. I'm looking forward to this upcoming Thursday with the park opening, Cedar Point opening up for the season. Yours truly will be there, mask in tail. Then doing some research about this as well, too. They have the three, four designated spots for um, for you to take off your mask. And I like two of the spots because they're close by to where I want to be at. 
So I don't have to, you know, wander the park around looking for a relaxation zone. They are strictly enforcing this mass policy, by the way, from friends and from uh, Facebook people that I've seen on the on some of the blog pages. They are forcing this stance, and I like it. I like it a lot. The question I have is this. The question I have is for this. To those that are that don't want to go to the park, what's making you not go? You have to wear a mask. I understand that. And there are some new procedures too, by the way. They announced yesterday the gates that will be open. The Magnum Gate will be open for only resort guests. Uh, the Beach Gate closed. Valraven Gate closed. Marina Gate closed. The main gate is open to all, including pass holders. And I'm a pass holder. So now we got to go through the main gate. And for me, I like parking in the back and walking into the back because that's where all where I want to ride. I don't want to go into the front, go to the back. And I asked this question to Tony Clark on Twitter, and I posted this on my Facebook page, personal Facebook page. Um, I asked him about the beach. Now, Thursday's estimated temperature in Sandusky is about 92. In the city of Toledo, it will be 98 to almost 100 degrees. Will the beach be open? Can we go out and swim? He says yes. The beaches are open to people that may have made reservations and are, res- are, are resort guests. And, you know, I will take the risk and I will get some earplugs and I will swim in the lake to cool myself off if I have to to beat the heat. But the problem is I can't access the park. The only way I can get to the park is through the main entrance. So to those that want to use the beach to swim and to just relax, how are you going to enforce that? How are you going to enforce that? I think of of, of, as, as this, okay? Once you're in, you're in. Once you're in the park, you're in the park. And I think that you should cap the resort gate as the resort gate. Like, I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it this way. I think they should they should really think about like putting up a fence or a portable fence so that you could use the outdoor gate to go swimming and go everything like that in the beach. And then if you want to go to the hotel, you're coming from the hotel to the gate. You go through the back way and then you go around to the resort gate. Plain simple. Item number three, and this is going to be very, very briefly. Today they had a city council meeting, and Matt Cherry, the president of city council, called for the three of the four that were investigated and were charged by the FBI for for federal crimes, for bribery, took to city council chairs. Gary Johnson, Larry Sykes, and Tyrone Ridley. And Matt Cherry decided to say, if you don't, uh, told them to excuse themselves, and they didn't excuse themselves. That proves to me that they don't, they don't care about the city. They care about their own agenda. So resign. 
Harper didn't show up in this in the city council meeting today. I think she's going to resign anyway. But those three pinheads have to resign. Get rid of them. And because of that, they adjourned the meeting. And because they adjourned the meeting, that means three things. One, they're not going to extend the Dora to Lafayette, past Lafayette, to where where Souk is located at, and down towards Cherry Street where the new development's going to be located. Number two, the city finances is now going to be in disarray because they can't get the budget settled for that. And the big one, number three, the passing of a mass ordinance. Lucas County is now under is in the orange range, which is a level two in orange. I want the Marathon Classic here in town. I want to go to a BG in a BGUT football game. I want to go to a Mud Hen or a Walleye game or a Tiger, you know, practice. Wear a damn mask. Today alone, Mike DeWine posted this. I couldn't believe this stat. 20 to 29-year-olds. 20 to 29-year-olds are making up 28% of the positive COVID testing. Do you think you're not immune to it? You're not immune to it. Wear a damn mask. And to those people that make that say, oh, I can't wear a mask because I just don't feel like it's constitutional right. Stop right there. Stop right there. Science weighs more than constitutional rights. It's the damn truth. The evidence is there. Listen to the doctors. You listen to your doctor when you go to the doctor's office. He tells you to lay off salt. He tells you to lay off sugar. He tells you to, you know, stop smoking. He, you know, and you, you, you have an ultimatum. You do it and you live. You don't do it, you die. So this time, wear a damn mask. You either wear the mask or be affected with COVID. It's your choice. Pick wisely. Wear the damn mask because I want a season. I want high school football. I want college football. I want to go to a walleye game. I want to go to a mud hen game. I want to go out and have a good time with my friends. I want to go have a beer. I want to get married next year. I want to go to weddings this year. So that I can critique them and tell myself, you know, you know. I'll, I'll throw it out there. Shannon and Jeremy are having a, getting married in in uh, in October. I want to look at that wedding and see. Hmm, is it gonna what what can we add to our wedding? So wear a damn mask, so we can get through this together. If we wear a mask, if we can wash our hands, keep good hygiene, and close the bars. That's the biggest thing. You close the bars. We can do this. We can save up to 45,000 Americans and 45,000 and at least at least 27,000 Ohioans.
if we do this. So do the right thing and start wearing a mask and wash your hands. It's social distance. Six feet. Do it or face the consequences. Plain and simple. That's going to be it for all Andy L for tonight. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday for another edition of the podcast. Um, follow us on Facebook, which is all Andy Elford. Um, we'll have pictures. I'll have pictures. I'll be taking pictures from inside the Cedar Point on Thursday from where I'm going to be at. Um, I'll let you know how it is, of course, on Tuesday. And I'll be in a, probably a darker, tanner glow, as usual, when I go to the park. Um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll continue to talk about Major League Baseball next week, dive more into the NHL playoffs. We'll have our MLB preview in two weeks before the opening of the season. So um, we're working on getting a time with Nick to discuss everything. And uh, Andy and Money will be coming back as soon as possible. So there's your housekeeping for you right there. So until I talk to you guys on Tuesday. I'm Andy Alford. I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you were for at home. And to my teams. Go Jackets! Go Tigers and go Reds. Go Tribe. And go Falcons. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys next week for another edition of All Andy Alford. Love you. Talk to you guys then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Elford Network powered by Anchor. You have been listening to Andy right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, Leaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. And remember, you can follow Andy on Twitter. It is at All Andy Elford. It is at All Andy Elford. Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. Podcasts are posted every Tuesday and Friday right here on the Anchor Network.